Thank you for choosing Tox News, your only source into searching your feelings and finding nothing but facts. It's March 17th, 2021. Let the record show, and we begin with a POA. I pledge allegiance to liberty and justice for all. So, what's on the docket? It's been Chaperone. I thought I would get back to the video because he does have one video discussing the COVID relief bill. And then there's another video that I found too hilarious not to uh, get into. So we begin now. Take it away. The stimulus bill that was just unleashed, this $1.9 trillion monstrosity that was just unleashed by the federal government is a radical shift in the nature of the relationship between the government and the individual. It involves a massive bailout to all of the states and localities that have done a horrible job running their own business. It has also created. A uh, I'm genuinely curious into going back into 2009 and whether or not Ben Shapiro would be that mad that we bailed out banks. Like, how, how are we going to uh, get that furious over the ineptitude of states like i'm honestly like the, the the ineptitude and mismanagement by states to earn themselves into debt and bankruptcy um that is the management's fault the leadership's fault the politicians fault true we should hold them accountable for those actions but um i feel like it is pretty important for the federal government to bail out states when they are uh in economic struggle I do think that is more of the government's job than bailing out big banks who we use the phrase too big to fail. But apparently states for Ben Shapiro are not too big to fail. Essentially a brand new welfare program. Okay, the welfare program rolls back welfare reform. Welfare reform in the 1990s was designed to get people off the welfare rolls and encourage people to work. And there was a lot of talk at the time, well, this is going to create child poverty. It didn't create child poverty. All it did was push people back to work. Well, the new plan from Joe Biden, the stimulus bill. It didn't just push people back to work. It did drop people down the poverty line. Um, you know, the destruction of social safety nets when people go through mishaps of happening, uh, just so happening, uh, happen to lose their job. Um, they take a big hit from that and the less strong their social welfare programs are while they find work or if they have disabilities or something that is in their way of w getting to work, such as a accident that also to your job doesn't offer PTO or even healthcare. And maybe that healthcare is still piling on the bills. There's a lot of reasons why strong social safety nets are not just for people who quote unquote, don't wanna work. Essentially creates a, a baseline universal basic income for people with kids. Now it is not connected to work, it is not connected I think that's very interesting, too, that Ben Shapiro wouldn't want a UBI for uh, families um, just be and just in the fact, too, that we're kind of looking at economic stagnation where uh, prices for commodities are going up and our wages are staying the same. So uh, with that kind of happening. There's probably some social safety nets that we'll want in place in order to make sure that kids are going to school, kids are getting provided health care, kids are able to be kids. So uh, pretty important stuff there, Ben. Connected to unemployment. It is not connected to anything. It's a new entitlement. OK, and the way that you can tell it's a new entitlement is the way the media are talking about it. It's supposed to sunset next year, but Republicans are then going to be in the position of saying, OK, it needs to go away. And Democrats know this, which is why they passed it in the first place. The New York Times calls it a policy revolution in aid for children. According to Jason DeParle, a year ago, Anik Hope 
a single mother in suburban Atlanta, was working as a letter carrier, running a side business, catering picnics, and settling into a rent-to-own home in Stone Mountain, Georgia, where she thought her boys would flourish in class and excel on the football field. Then the pandemic closed the schools, the boys' grades collapsed with distance learning, she quit work to stay home in hopes of breaking their fall. Unexpected unemployment aid, expecting unemployment aid that never came. She lost her utilities, ran short on food, was recovering from an immobilizing bout of COVID when a knock brought marshals with eviction papers. Depending on when the snapshot is dated. Like, Ms. come Ho- on. How did she not feel any, like, empathy in this lady's story at all? It's an anecdotal story, but it's a very good case study of, like, how social safety nets can benefit, especially during an emergency, which our country fucked up bad. Might appear as a striving emblem of upward mobility or a mother on the verge of homelessness. But in either guise, she's among the people Democrats seek to help with a mold-breaking plan on the verge of... <laughs> Oh, man, I like I feel like when you listen to his podcast, he might sound like a crazy person. Just the way that he went mole. Yeah. I mean, I probably exaggerate a bit in my podcast when I'm making fun of them, but that's it's he sounds like a crazy person. Congressional. It reminds me of when he was making fun of Kamala Harris for laughing and then did this psychotic. I'm a really rich joker laugh passage to provide most parents a monthly check of up to three hundred dollars per child. Obscured by other parts of President Biden's $1.9 trillion stimulus package, the child benefit has the makings of a policy revolution. See, this is the thing. There's a lot in there. Okay, it is not just that people who are unemployed get checks. That would make some sense, right? If you're talking about the government forcing people into unemployment lines, then the government compensating them for forcing them into unemployment lines makes some sense. That is a taking. When the government takes your job, the government has to compensate you for the taking of your job. Okay, but what we are talking about now is setting up what is effectively a permanent welfare program. Though framed in technocratic terms as an, expansion of, as an expansion of an existing tax credit, it's essentially a guaranteed income for families with kids akin to children's allowances that are in their program. Existing tax credit, it's essentially a guaranteed income for families with kids akin to children's allowances that are common in other rich countries. It's just like Europe. So that means it's good. The basic idea here is that the child tax credit, which used to be applied. Well, the thing that you can find, too, is that like European, I don't think on average, but... Uh especially in the Nordic area, European countries have a happier population than the United States. And a lot of it can be attributed to their social programs. Uh, a lot of that, you know. Against the taxes you paid, right? That's why it's called a tax credit. If you didn't pay taxes, you didn't get the child tax credit. Well, now it doesn't matter whether you pay taxes. You still get what we're going to lie about and call a tax credit. It's not a tax credit. because You're not paying taxes. It's just a redistribution check. The plan establishes the benefit for a single year, but if it becomes permanent, says the New York Times, as Democrats intend, it will greatly enlarge the safety net for the poor and the middle class at a time when the volatile modern economy often leaves families moving between those groups. More than 93% of children, 69 million, would receive benefits under the plan at a one-year cost of more than $100 billion. It raises the maximum benefit most families will receive by up to 80% per child, extends it to millions of families whose earnings are currently too low to qualify under existing law, because again, it was a child tax credit. So they're just backdooring. Right, they're saying this is not a, a chi- it's, it's not a child tax credit anymore. Now it is a check. Now, one of the things that the government did in the 1960s is they dram- I mean, it's very fascinating to me that Ben Shapiro finds this to be outrageous spe- spending. Like it's um, just not fiscally responsible to spend or let's put it in a different term. Invest a hundred billion dollars in American families. He finds this as uh, something scrutinous, that we shouldn't be doing it, we should critique it, and it's spending that's going to discourage a lot of our traditional conservative values. And it's it's ridiculous, because the thing is, is that that's a sixth of our military budget. The United States, year after year, invests more in its military than its own people. 
And the reason why they attack these welfare programs is not because it benefits working class people, but because they are able to have a bit of stronger standing if something were to happen and they're not as predatory. The, the, the thing that's very fascinating to me is how the right wing argues against this, them being funded by corporations who have seen the like most massive tax cuts in history, in recent history. And on top of it, the fact that they still have offshore money, the hoarding of wealth that's going on. And when they get scrapes of cash from the federal government, this is just too much. And it's even more fascinating to me that building a social welfare program during this time, as we're starting to see, and what we never talk about is that automation is coming for 50% of jobs. That's by 2050, at least we it may or may not be then because we're going through a technological revolution to the size of the industrial revolution. And we're not really sure how that's all going to shake out. Cause we didn't really know then how the industrial revolution was going to shake out. And so, arguing against building a good foundation for a social welfare program even after we had andrew yang on the democratic stage talking about this screaming that we're going to need ubi at some point and even though i don't agree with andrew yang's UBI, like his plan to use ubi i do believe that we're going to need much 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 stronger social safety nets at a point when retail jobs get moved into the automation sector and you can already see it happening with Amazon testing out their no clerks uh, stores, their bookstores, where if you have an Amazon Prime account, you can just walk in, grab your product and walk out. It gets charged to your card. You never come in contact with a single worker there. So it's happening and arguing against these welfare, like building a good foundational welfare program, which uh, the European Union and our Canadian neighbors have had for decades. So I'm sure they'll be able to weather the storm a lot better. Um, it's just, it's gross. It's very disgusting to be arguing about this. Um, and then also too, the reason why we shouldn't have welfare programs is because a bunch of illegal immigrants benefit from it. It's, it's, it's terrible. We need to be talking about automation and what we're gonna do with a whole class and whole uh, industries of people that are gonna be jobless dramatically increased the single motherhood rate in both the black and the white communities. In, the, in, in 1960, the black single motherhood rate was 20%. Today, it's in excess of 70%. In the white community, the white single motherhood rate was somewhere on the order of 5%. Today, it's in excess of 40%. That is specifically because of welfare policies that incentivize people to have kids and not have a husband in the home. Because um, Correlation is not causation, Ben, because it's very suspicious to uh, assume that all single mothers came up with a plot to become single mothers so that they can get, you know, uh, checks for their kids. I feel like a lot of mothers probably realize that as a side benefit. And uh, the story that he had told was of a single mother running her own business and that having to be shut down to benefit her kids. I mean, he could blame that on the fact that she doesn't have a husband to, you know, help carry the burden of the nuclear family and success in the American dream. But it's kind of ridiculous because it's almost like people choose to be uh, that single and whether she did or did not choose is honestly like none of the government's business and people should be able to thrive if they choose to not have a partner. So if the nuclear family is that foundational into having success, especially during a pandemic, I would have to say we need to look at that society and tweak it a little bit because that should not be a requirement in order to participate. Because if the income got too high, you didn't get the, you didn't get the credit from the welfare program.
and I, my, my point being is that nobody really chooses to be a single parent, but you know, things shake out that way. And some people do choose that, but it's not out of an economic standard most of the time. And if it is, then that's a fewer number of cases just as like there's slippery snake grifters and everything. This is not quite that, but the similarities are pretty stunning. While the current program distributes money annually as a tax reduction to families with income tax liability or a check to those too poor to owe income taxes, the new program would set both groups' monthly checks to provide a more stable cash flow. By the standards of previous, days debate, of previous aid debates, opposition has been surprisingly muted. The bill hasn't won any Republican votes, but critics have focused on other elements of the rescue package. Some conservatives call the child benefit welfare and warn that it's going to bust budgets and weaken incentives to work or to marry, which of course is correct. When the government becomes apparent and essentially is footing all your bills, then you're- Why do we need incentives to marry? That's merely in the perpetuation of the state. I feel like all of those things should be much more important to our human experience and what actually gives us joy, love, and happiness, rather than thinking that we have to do these things in order to have economic power. That's dumb and crazy, and that's a traditional conservative belief. Your incentive to actually create an upwardly mobile family unit is greatly lessened. Boom. He, he just he just said it. He just said it for me. Thank you, Ben. We, you see less income mobility, less family formation, less productive, uh, I would say, less productive tra trajectory for children in a situation in which the government plays father. It's and that's very funny to me that the government playing father is what, you know, basically providing money is, you know, the father is just supposed to be another provider of economic survival. That like it is so shallow, it's so shallow and it gives it offers nothing to the human experience, because if the government actually did what it was supposed to do and be the provider of the people of their human rights by respecting, protecting and fulfilling every single human right, we would have all of our basic needs met. And the, the, the sole human experience is much more important than providing for the economy and the wealthy businessmen who keep perpetuating the system so that they can continue making money and blaming the single mothers for their faults. It's a problem, okay? But Democrats are pushing that forward. So it's a reversion back to 1960 standards of how the war on poverty was to be fought. By the way, we have now spent $22 trillion in the war on poverty over the course of the war on poverty, and we have not budged the percentage <laughs> of- It's another endless war. Like, what does the war on pro poverty even mean? Are we actually going against the, the idea of poverty, which is like ingrained into the economic system that we've decided to have? You can't have a top without a bottom, Ben. And also, like, is there or is it a war on the poor where we're just going to sweep the streets and like put them all in jail? And then that way, there's no more poor people. There's only inmates and the middle class and the rich. <laughs> people who are living below the poverty line in the United States pretty much at all. The economic shock. It's like the war on drugs because they, they made it sound like, oh, we're going after marijuana. But who ended up in jail the most? You know, who, who thrived more out of the war on drugs, marijuana or the people who used marijuana? Because it sounds like it was mostly big business marijuana, especially now, too, at this point, as they, you know, slowly choke the market like they do every other industry. Shock and racial protests of the past year brought new momentum to the plan, says the New York Times, whose reach, while broad, would especially help black and Latino families who are crucial to the Democrats' coalition. Okay, so in other words, it's a specialized giveaway to a particular voting bloc that Biden wants to help out. 
Mr. Biden's embrace of the subsidies is a leftward shift for a Democratic Party. I mean, we could we could throw it in pandering if we're going to talk how we're getting political and shit. But there's also like data to show that these are marginalized, disenfranchised people. So providing a, you know, bigger step stool in their redistribution or their uh, the attempts of the government to provide support. I feel like that's trying to le reach a level of equity, which is funny because like that amount of equity won't get them to the status like economic status of Ben Shapiro. So it's funny as hell that he would just fervently have a segment about this denying the, the chicken scratch of money that goes to poor people struggling and the, the the while he dies on a hill of money arguing about it. That made deep cuts in cash aid in the 90s under the theme of ending welfare. As a senator, Biden supported the 1996 welfare restrictions. As recently as August, his campaign was noncommittal about the child. Yeah, Joe Biden's record from the 90s. And I mean, I mean, honestly, before he was Obama's vice president and even still as the vice president, but not as much. So he's he's evolved, I guess. He's gone a little bit with the times um, as much as the Democratic Party as a whole has. But even back then, the Democratic Party was voting terribly like the 90s, 80s. Democratic Party is just as bad as honestly, the 60s and the 50s and the. 40s and the 30 oh oh they've always been bad and so like critiquing them based off their past policies when republicans were actually seeking much harsher treatment in those same policies is uh really dumb and should actually highlight how both parties have served us for not for uh decades maybe even centuries benefit now the president promotes projections that the monthly checks up to 300 bucks for young children and 250 bucks for those over five would cut poverty by 45 percent for children and by more than 50 percent among black families. OK, so here's the question. Is that true? Because we've had these sorts of benefits before. It has not cut poverty. It turns out that you can sign checks to these families. And that doesn't mean that poverty is going to be cut in the end, because in order to get out of poverty, um, the reason why, like a lot of people don't get out of poverty and it's usually a smaller number that actually do because people are able to use the opportunities in their life and, you know, get some upward mobility, whether it be into the, the, up, the middle class or into that small percentage of the 1%. It upward mobility is not impossible. It's just improbable. So like, you're not going to be able to move the poverty line by basically giving people enough money so that they can pay their bills and get groceries, you know, do the, do the necessities, pay off all those. And then them still having the same job that didn't really provide that enough money off of a 40 hour work week to even provide for that. And that's why you're on government uh, support. So it's, I mean, it's it's part of Democrat rhetoric propaganda to exaggerate what the bill's attempt is going to do, because even with the like when Joe Biden talks about this, he said that he was going to cut the child poverty, which I don't see that happening. There's there's no way that these one time checks and a little bit of um, of the the child tax uh, checks that are going to be coming in. That's not going to lift people up into the lower class, maybe just like slightly, but also since that number is kind of decided by another third party that isn't really connected to the inflation as well. It's just, we're not really even doing it that much for, for these families and these groups of people 
So it's just wild to me that this is the frivolous spending that is really dumb because it's not going to reach the goals of exactly of what it is claiming it can attain. But to actually claim the goals of this bill to actually attain those goals, we would have to do pretty massive wealth redistribution on the size of 2009's wealth redistribution or even 2020's because the billionaires made billions, hundreds of billions, in fact, trillions. Um, we would have to then move that, actually moving that into everybody else rather than just the few hundred billionaires that we have in this country. So that's the actual wealth redistribution that's more likely to bring uh, more families out of poverty um, because it's it's a massive movement of redistribution of wealth rather than this like small margin of mostly like average American taxpayer money and not necessarily corporations as their tax cuts continue to decrease. And now how long that's going to last since Biden is saying that he's going to increase taxes for those above four hundred thousand uh, dollars. That, again, is just going to become like another right wing talking point of how this is going to hurt the economy in the same way that this is going to hurt. This relief bill is going to hurt our trade deficit. Um, and the reason why he's going to say that is just because Trump lowered the taxes to an all time low. And so even raising them a margin like is just too much. And it's we've gotten used to this since he enacted it in 2017. It was one of his first bills. Um, so we've gotten used to the idea of this being the, the federal tax rate, but back in the fifties, you know, major corporations would usually pay upwards of like 50%. So when we're increasing it from 20, uh, what is it? What is he aiming for? I think it was like, we're, we're at 23 and we're aiming for 32. Like, again, we're talking about a 10% increase of chicken scratch from coming from billions and trillions of dollars of revenue that ends up becoming trillions of dollars of profit, which then stay out of our local economy system that provides our roads and could possibly provide our health care and uh, uh, amounts like untold of amounts of things other than military imperialism that happens all the way across the other side of the globe. So, um, I like that we're talking budget. I just think at this point, it's very misguided and completely protective of the powers that be, while also stirring anger at these damn radical Democrats. You actually have to make a series of decisions that get you out of poverty over time. It is not merely a question of signing people checks. If it were merely a question of signing people checks. I mean, and honestly, too, if it was that easy for everyone to make decisions to get out of poverty, why isn't everybody already out of poverty then? And then we're just going to equate that to every everybody who's poor just makes bad decisions. Every single person, every single one. That's 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 the theory and philosophy that we're going to roll with in conservatism. Cool. Checks again, twenty two trillion dollars spent over the last 60 years in the United States would have been a pretty good way to alleviate poverty. It has not alleviated poverty in the United States. In fact, the black middle class was growing faster in the 1950s than it has after that, thanks largely to the intervention of the federal government in welfare programs like this. But again, this is the kind of policy that Joe Biden is now pushing. Wait, did he just say that millions of black people are getting upward mobility thanks to these federal programs? Did he just say that? Rewind. Rewind. Has not alleviated poverty in the United States. In fact, the black middle class was growing faster in the 1950s than it has after that. 
thanks largely to the intervention of the federal government in welfare programs like this. But again, um, yeah, I don't know how true that is of the 1950s, but I don't think it was necessarily because of economic work. I feel like it probably had something to do with a world war um, in the GI Bill and, you know, the subsequent wars that came after that as well that also offered pretty uh, fruitful GI Bills that sent a lot of uh, people into college, which increases your likelihood of being in the middle in class, uh, middle income class come the result of finding good employment. So um, can't just say that. And also too, like the tax cuts from the, or the taxes coming from the rich were much higher at that point. So that also too would contribute to that fact. And then also wasn't the welfare program enacted back in the thirties, like forties, wasn't that the new deal? So it's also from the same common effects of like coming out of strong Democrat, well, not democratic policies, because he reappropriated slightly socialist policies, but from the New Deal era, they benefited from that. Like, just because it happened in the 50s doesn't mean it doesn't have any effect from the policies enacted from 40s. It's very strange to use that example, um, because if 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 that was when it was peaking in the 50s, we started seeing it degrading as the tax cuts for the rich continued to happen. And then Reaganomics and then also too Reagan and, and his administration and, and the CIA introducing crack cocaine into the black neighborhoods is probably there's a lot to talk about rather than just saying, well, they didn't benefit when we had when the the when the welfare program was th this strict back in the day. And then on top of it too, like you just said in the nineties, they had a much more restrictive welfare program bill that passed. So even that would have attributed to that decrease in the, from the fifties to now, that's a very weird, weird point to make, but that means that you would have to ignore all historical context and look at that one set of data to be like, well, this is obviously a sign of why we're doing so bad. This is the kind of policy that Joe Biden is now pushing, or at least his administration is, while he's asleep on the couch or at the Denny's for the early bird dinner. Ooh, Denny's. So that, that is a major policy shift for Biden. And of course, he's going to be championing that tonight. He's going to deliver a primetime address on Thursday, actually, marking the first anniversary of the virus restrictions. And he's going to champion his own role in overcoming the virus. Now, here's the thing. His own role <laughs> yeah. in overcoming the yeah. And like Trump didn't take credit for the vaccines. What are we talking about? Like every president is going to come on stage and take credit for the economy, even though like a lot of that really doesn't have to do with uh, the government. And then they're going to take credit for. Yeah, they, they do that all the time. And like it doesn't matter who the president is. They'll, they'll take credit for creating peace deals in the Middle East, even though it's just trade. Overcoming the virus has been pretty limited. And you want an indicator of just what Joe Biden has done on a personal level? There are supposed to be 100 mass vaccination sites set up by the federal government by the end of February. By the end of February, there were seven. The, the, the systems were in place. It is governors who have been doing the heavy lifting here. All the federal government could do was help actually obtain the vaccines and the dosages. Any federal government worth its salt would have done all of that. But you're going to see a... Yeah. a by deregulating the market and using taxpayer dollars to publicly fund the research for that vaccine and then allow the companies to then privatize that vaccine and sell it back to us. Yeah. Yeah, Ben. Yeah, that's what a government's good for. Victory lap here by Joe Biden. And again, this is a heady time because we're spending all the money. And that's fine. We're going to spend all the money and it's going to be all be great because we're going to spend all the money. We did this in the 60s. Okay, in the 1960s, we blew out the spending. If you look at the growth rates in the early 60s and GDP in the American economy, very, very high. 
That was because the rest of the world had been devastated by World War II. They were still trying to move beyond their own socialistic policies. Many, many of them had to curb them, those policies. In the 19... That's not even true because we know that the European Union has very strong social welfare programs. Like they did the New Deal better, harder, and faster. So that is a weird point to make. Is he talking about the USSR? Because that's a much more complicated story. Are we comparing ourselves to China right now? Because again, compared to most of the the developed world of you know these economies, we're um, yeah we're not doing so great. So I, I just think it's very fascinating. My video is freaking out. I need to get a new computer. So I'm just going to hide that right now. That looks terrible. Oh, boy. Did it go all the way to the bottom? Oh, yep. Yep, my computer's broken. Spilled coffee out on a while ago. It, it works a bit, but then all of a sudden it'll just like scroll, 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 and it's almost impossible to stop. Broke boy float. Anyways, um, yeah, I don't know who he's comparing us to and who cut their more socialist programs, um, because even after World War II and the fight of socialism happened in Vietnam, we went there to stop it and we got whooped and it's still considered a socialist nation to this day, if I remember right. We also tried to do the same thing in North Korea and we made them extremely isolationist um, and with a vengeance. They have a burning vengeance for us. So that's. That's cool. I don't know what Ben's talking about. We we're I feel like we're only I mean, in slight measures, they reduce a bit of the welfare programs and social safety nets in these other countries like Canada and the European Union. But it's just also it's not as um, vicious as the United States. The United States has been attacking its welfare programs pretty hard for decades um, to the point where we barely have any. Where as the yeah, the European Union has a giant well of welfare. 1960s, the United States decided it was going to become a social democratic country. It was going to become much more European in its view of the welfare state. We blew out the. It's very funny to me, too, how like, you know, conservatives claim how Western civilization is the um, light bringer of enlightenment. And then like whenever we talk about where the European Union is, which was the beginning of Western civilization, it's it's not where we should be going. And it's so funny to me because like we're we're really behind uh, the European Union in, in those regards. Um, so it's it's very funny to me that we're regressing more and more to that laissez-faire capitalism um, free market idea. So it's it's very funny to me because we, we use Western civilization as we've made all these accomplishments. And then when we look at the progress of Western civilization, where it started, we're like, but not that that's not that's not it. <laughs> I don't like Western civilization anymore. I like Western Western West of the West civilization domestic spending they actually blew out military spending as well for a period there and we ended up with the stagnation of the 1970s an awful time for economics so bad that there was a backlash in the form of the reagan revolution in the 1980s so that is what we are about <laughs> and the reagan revolution of the 1980s was bringing like neoliberalism to the forefront and like since then we've had people just repeating reagan's model because it works for the government and corporations agreements and um it keeps us relatively comfortable, at least enough to not trust each other and get better social programs. About to relive. We're basically just reliving the mid-1960s to late-1970s. And this began 
over the course of and some people would also say we're living like the 1918s to the mid 1920s you know you you can do that you can pull those comparisons from a lot of things all the time um but he's obviously cherry picking that uh that data to fear monger a little bit about the economic situation that we're going through even though the stagflation is a lot like that but a lot of people are predicting quite a boom um if the covid lockdowns are able to be or at least the social distancing and a lot of businesses coming back they're thinking that it's going to lead to like a 1920s economic roar but with the spread of the virus and the variants and how we've handled it and how we're handling our continuing i don't know dropping of the working class in the economic ladder it's uh not looking good and um i think michael this is name Michael Burry, um, famous for the Big Short film. Uh, he was Christian Bale's character, but he 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 tweets from time to time. Um, he's he's actually seeing a bit of like an economic bubble building, and even if we have a big burst, that just means we have a bigger bubble. So, like again, we're not really looking too far into the economic future, especially since we're downplaying the necessity of welfare programs as automation is slowly taking 50% of our job market. So um, we're not helping anybody here, Ben. We're not helping anybody. For the past couple of years with the, with the pandemic, it began with the, with the racial protests and riots in America's major cities. It feels very much like about 1968 right now. It feels a lot like that in terms of yeah. 1968 was a hot year. The United States was pretty lit. Where we are and what the next decade is going to look like, and of course Joe Biden is in on it. I mean he's he's loving this stuff. Facts don't. I don't know with the with the red scare and China coming back. I actually see us more closer to the 1920s, which also too had um just about as much it it had protests. There there wasn't too many like civil rights protests as much as the 60s they were mostly workers rights and uh, a lot of socialists actually trying to um, reform the country if and a lot of far leftists trying to overthrow the country um, so again it's a much more complicated situation but i do think that we're closer to the 1920s because with every recession and the deeper it is it seems we're just avoiding the the edge of a another depression and with the heightening tensions of China that we're just feeding into the machine because we don't want to lose our world economic position. Um, yeah, and I, I, I don't see the Middle East turning down anytime soon. I could kind of see Israel or probably Israel, if not Saudi Arabia, kind of getting us dragged into a world war. Um, so, yeah, I think we're much closer to the 1920s. I could see a bit of 1960s, 1968 a little bit, mainly because of the Black Lives Matter protest and the civil rights protests that happened around that time. But there's a lot of other stuff going on. There's a lot. We're, we're converging on like a lot of crises at the same time. You know, we're, we're doing the 1968 plus like 1925. It's dope. It's pretty obvious what kind of culture they're attempting to build. Oh, I didn't even I didn't even explain this video um, after Ben Shapiro beats on the pores and how they get chicken scratch uh, while corporations continue to rake in uh, record profits. We have Ben Shapiro switching it over from economics to culture. Um, and this is I didn't really watch the Grammys, but I did see this Bill Burr clip. And this video is called Leftists Outraged Over Bill Burr Jokes at 2021 Grammys. Just to be clear, I like Bill Burr. 
uh, I don't like everything he says, but I like Bill Burr as a comedian. Um, I like his F is for family, but his stand-up is pretty funny, and I do think that he does point out good examples of ca- like cancel culture or just the way that a lot of us react to a lot of these situations. So I think Bill Burr is actually a, a good commentator, comedian on a lot of these things, but I don't think he's always on point with necessarily everything he says, and I'm sure I'm not either, and people will find disagreements in what I say, but um, that's life. Uh, I'm not outraged at what he said, but we'll get to that. It's pretty obvious what kind of culture they're attempting to build here. It's a culture of censorious righteousness porn, as she says, that actually tolerates actual porn, right? <laughs> you have to understand that what they're acting in defense of is not <laughs> a, a... I mean, they're just as mad about WAP coming out as they are about the Grammy performance. Just seething. Counterculture. What they're acting in defense of is an anti-culture that tears away all traditional standards. And so anybody who is a defender of... That's not anti-culture. That's actually just culture. Culture has always moved past traditions. They become old. Everything, everything works that way. Most institutions have died. Do we still have that many monarchies? Um, do we have... A, oh, wait. The Catholic Church is still pretty prevalent in Rome. Uh, that hasn't changed much. That tradition stands strong. Scientology wasn't always a thing. Um, let's see. Classical music's not as important as it used to be. Uh, Hip-hop is the main genre of the world now. Um, slavery is still in... I, I saw a report recently of a Eastern country that still practices slavery. Um, but we don't do that here. Most of the developed world doesn't do that either. So that's another traditional institution that's no longer around. Um, not a lot of pagans. There's not a huge pagan church. Um, so there, there's there's probably a good amount of institutions we've moved past uh, since the beginning of time. Any element of traditional standards up to and including your individual right to offend, that must be torn down too. It is important that anything that smacks of the old ways, and the old ways is not just, you know, to parent household, the, the white picket. I don't know. There's there's something about George Carlin and his his ability. Like, Bill Burr has the ability to offend, and Dave Chappelle also has the ability to offend. But I think it reaches on the level of self-reflection rather than just bashing on people so that you don't have to look at yourself and how shitty it is. So, like, they're... they're offensiveness can be used as a beneficial tool towards communities, but it also can be used as a bludgeon club to smash communities. And so we do have to draw a distinction there between shit and Shinola to be able to have a progressive society that includes everybody and doesn't uh, marginalize and disenfranchise others. Fence and the two, two and a half kids. It's not just that. The old ways include your ability to offend anyone. If you offend anyone, then this means that you must be cast out into the outer into the outer realms. You have to be wished into the cornfield. This is why the Grammys, right? It, it's 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 hard to square, right? When when you watched any of the Grammys last night, which I don't know who did, the ratings probably were garbage. But when you watch the Grammys, which is made for blue check marks on Twitter, there were two competing visions that were really at odds. One was Bill Burr said a thing, and the thing was unwoke. And this means that Bill Burr is bad and he must trend and he is canceled because we must never allow anything like what Bill Burr said to be said ever again, not in a public space, guys. Bill Burr has to be stopped. He's a comedian and he violated our sense of propriety. He, our Puritanism, the new Puritans are great with porn and very bad with political dissidents. And if you disagree with them, then that, then you must be burned at the stake. But if you want to simulate lesbian sex acts on stage and 
generally curious too as to how many people have been burned at the stake for disagreeing with leftists. Can someone find me those statistics? In front of millions of people. Then not only is that good, that is wonderful for our culture. All right, so Bill Burr, he gets up and he makes a joke because why the hell, and he's right, he, he's, he was there to introduce the best Latino or Latina artist or something. And Bill Burr's like, why am I doing this? I'm like, a, I'm a white guy. You can see all the feminists out there already complaining about it. Here's what Bill Burr had to say. And then he trended for this. Was I the only one who wanted to kill himself during that piano solo? Uh, <laughs> I bought a suit for this. I thought I was going to be on TV. I'm such a moron. I am losing so much money right now. And the winner, uh, the Grammy goes to... I don't, I don't know why they opened with that, because that honestly sounded like Bill Burr making a joke that kind of even just went flat in the entire room. So that's that's interesting. And I feel like the awkward just go, go, gets more awkward after that. Talia Lafourcade. <laughs> yeah, see, and then Ben Shapiro's laughing in the background, because how funny is it that he can't pronounce Latin names? That's so funny. That's just hilarious. Dude, you, oh, I will, oh, sorry. I will accept on behalf of her. But I'm, I'm going to be honest, too, is like, if you're going to do regional, uh, like, music awards, why would you not have someone who represents the person getting the awards? I feel like that's just, that's an easy fix. And um, also, like, completely far from uh, misrepresentation. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of going in a circle here. But the thing is, uh, is that if you had the, per like, uh, someone who not only could pronounce the name properly during an award show, but is also um, of the same representation of their... Uh, culture or ethnicity then it's just a much easier transition than what we're going through right now and it's also just more on point it, it would just make sense it, it makes sense just it's an easy thing to do why why and what does bill burr have to do with this category other than that we wanted a famous person to do this like it's just thoughtless to do so rather than even bringing up another artist within that music uh, category to also present an award, like a peer presenting award to a peer. It's just weird that they did this. It's just weird. And I'm sorry Bill Burr had to be put there, but they should have thought it through. If I butchered a name, I'm sorry. All right. Hey, how many uh, feminists are like going nuts? So how, why is this cis white male doing all this Latino stuff? Okay. And and then there was that's the thing is that Bill just didn't really even need to say anything like he like the one thing that we're all pretty tired of of comedians doing like it doesn't offend people to go oh man I'm gonna get canceled for that just stop bringing it up man like I I, I really hate the comedians who think they're and not Bill Burr but like he does talk about it from time to time but a lot of people who just constantly bring up the fact that everything I say is gonna get me canceled it's just like shut up then shut up. That's that's all I can say to it, because if you if that's what you're thinking about and that's what your focus is on, don't be doing these things. People on the woke left were like, it's true. Why is that white male doing all this Latino stuff and then commenting on it? How dare he laughing about butchering people's names? How dare he? Right. This is where the Puritanism comes out, because our cultural Puritans can never allow Bill Burr to make a joke about his own inability to pronounce Latino names. You can never sorry, Latin X names. Right. You can never make a joke about that is witch-burning stuff, right? He must, be, he must be burned. Bill Burr is a bad man because he is cis and he is white. 
where the H comes before the W. White. Right. He's I mean, any leftist making that argument off of what happened there um, is acting in bad faith as well. It's just like the the whole thing is ridiculous because it's it's a culture that doesn't do a very good job of representing its multiculturalism. Uh, God. And like, it's it's funny because they'll use like Mexican accents, like you know, mispronouncing English words, and they'll use that as a joke. Like, isn't it so funny they can't pronounce uh, our, our language? And then, like, it's basically the same joke. Like, isn't it funny I can't pronounce their language? It's it's low-hanging fruit. Like, Bill Burr should have been put into a different category where he could have had better material. It was just low-hanging fruit, and I, uh, I'm unimpressed. He's a very, very bad man, but... You know what is great for our culture? What is great for our culture is Harry Styles wore a boa because he was doing a bad David Bowie impersonation from, 1980, from 1983. And, and then what is also fantastic, fantastic for our culture is extraordinarily graphic simulated lesbian sex acts on stage for the <laughs> brand new artist of the year, Megan V. Stallion, her given name. Her parents decided that she, her middle name had to be V, not with one E, which would make sense. She'd be Megan the Stallion. Megan V. Stallion, you are the stallion. Hey, not just shit. You are Megan. Who, 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 like, who's, who has to make sense of somebody's name like that? Like, how quiet was Ben, too, when, like, Elon Musk put out the name of his child, which was just insane. A bunch of just algorithm. Uh, and the thing is, too, is, like, most Eastern Asian names and even Asian names are written in, in uh, you know, scripture that isn't in the English language. So it's just so ridiculous to make fun of how people name their children at this point because it has to fit the guidelines of the western civilization pronunciation is the, is that what we're trying to make fun of right now like how ridiculous of a middle name is that <laughs> two e's one would have made sense Ugh. like dude names are crazy get over it v v b a stallion okay so she and uh, cardi b simulated like full-on pornographic acts and, and this has been the shtick for a while, right? I mean, going all the way back to yeah, McDonald's. Yeah, full on, full on. They they got nude and everything. They just started scissoring each other in front of everybody. And they didn't even blur it out. They didn't even blur it out, man. It's it's all there. Go check it out. Like, and if you, if you can't find it on YouTube, Fox News has had it on for a couple of days now. So you might be able to find it on there. It's so funny to me. What I liked about it, though, is what's hilarious to me about Cardi B and Megan's performance is that it literally like in I'm I don't know if this is going to sound derogative, but I'm going to speak my mind is that like Cardi B used to be a stripper and that performance literally brought like stripping to the Emmys like that. It's not like a form of like stripping become becoming elitist, but it is at least getting like onto the world stage it's 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 almost like when trump goes to meet a dictator it gives it legitimacy and i think it's very funny that it was at the grammys because like it's something that you know for a lot of husbands it's a a, a shame of them to go and their wives are disappointed for them to go but now it's actually something that all of them can watch <laughs> on a cardi b performance so like I don't know. I find it a bit more inclusive and I'm not offended easily by, uh, you know, sex work and strippers and uh, that kind of stuff. So it's it's I I think it's very funny. I, I, I thought to myself, I don't know if it's derogative, but Cardi B literally made everybody go to the strip club. Let's not pretend this is anything new. The simulated sex acts on stage at the Grammys has been quite a thing for several decades. But yes, this it was 
I will say uniquely graphic. Yes, it has. I don't like in sex has been dirty. Like dancing has been dirty for uh, a while. So I don't I don't know why Ben's kicking and screaming about it now that he has to look at it at a, at a, a superficial award show. Right. So here was a little bit of what happened at the Grammys. Remember, our new Puritans are great with with porn. Oh, OK. So we don't even have to go to Fox News. Ben's going to show us it. And infecting <laughs> the culture with debauched behavior. They are fantastic with this. Right there. <laughs> it's so funny. He's like, this is such degenerate behavior. Now, everybody look at it. Are the same people who will say that WAP is an empire in uh, a deeply WAP. <laughs> yeah, it's because he has to go home to a WAD. Oh, wait, that's not what, what it is. I just said wet ass dick. I meant to say wet, uh, dry ass pussy. So that would be a dap. Sorry. Oof. Not, not coming in with the jokes. Not coming in with the jokes right now. But damn, that shit was funny, Ben. That shit was funny. empowering feminist song because nothing says empowerment wow. quite like rapping about the moisture state of your genitals for the pleasure of men to consume your actual content that, that, that I, I don't know i think sex work actually does give a lot of empowerment to women especially in a society so focused on patriarchy i just think it, it, it's it, it's probably a little bit harder for ben to understand and he doesn't like how sex can be used as a weapon probably because he can't use it so um yep that that is feminisming up the wazoo. Tremendous levels of feminisming. That is great for our culture. But if I ran the zoo, has to go, guys. If I ran the zoo, is deeply dangerous for your kids. If but that's like made specifically for kids. Um, WAP isn't. It just exists in the culture, and kids can get a hold of it just as much as they can get a hold of Django Unchained. Um, so uh, it's up to the parents to instill good values in their children and not really allow frivolous rap songs that are good to twerk to just dictate their entire lives. If your kids read about the island of Mazurka with a bird called the Yurka, your kids will be ruined for... Isn't that also with like the two really dark black caricatures in it too? Like there's not just a bird from Zurka. There's also two racist stereotypes in it life deeply disturbed for life but if you give your kid puberty blockers at the age of five so they can decide their gender at the age of 13 and if you infuse the culture with a bunch of i like how we move the goalposts again because like transgenderism is the the height of them proving that we're a degenerate culture warmed over softcore pornography on the grammys and then call it high culture that's not bad for the culture that's good for the culture this is like shakespeare it's amazing now listen I don't think Cardi B is going to be taught in like schools on to the level that Shakespeare was. That's a ridiculous statement to make. Like most artists, no matter how many sexy songs they have made, ends up living like Shakespeare does. Um, like, yeah, no, there's so many artists from the 60s, 70s and 80s that most people don't even remember. And I'm sure they're like, how many people know salt and pepper? You know, so. Um, yeah, that's just dumb. Um but the thing is, what was I going to say? My brain slipped. Yeah, I don't know. It's just really nobody's saying that Cardi B is the new William Shakespeare. Um, we're just kind of having fun, Ben. Uh, my internet. I'm not up sure again. that there is a deep connection between the quality of art that a culture produces and the morality of the culture. German culture produced some wonderful highs. But I will say this. I've yet to see a culture that produces low art and pretends that it is high art 
that is worthwhile, right? That, that is not a thing that, it, so just because a culture produces high art doesn't mean the culture is good, but just because a culture produces low art and that becomes the height of art, that's a pretty good indicator that you have a culture in decline. This is a culture in decline right here. Yeah, but the thing is, Ben, is that like uh, art is subjective. So whoever perceives this to be high art, that's up to them. Whoever perceives it as low art, that's also up to them. Like, are we assuming that Cardi B is the number one artist in the entire world right now? Because I'm pretty sure The Weeknd's Blinding Lights beat her song out as like most played billboards for an entire year. So um, are we are we going to critique The Weeknd's influence on our kids or, or are we just going to talk about the one artist who has a song that's easy for you to uh, bash because you have a sex sensitivity? Oh, my God, they're not even showing a real recorded version. This is off of somebody's phone. What is going on right now? And people cheering. Then a woman dancing uh, inside of a of a a box in which cash is being blown at her. This is high culture. Those are stilettos, Ben. And if you were really a cultured person, you would know those are giant stilettos, which she is dancing and catching money because we went to the strip club with Cardi B and Megan the Stallion. And you can find that offensive or dirty or gross. That's really up to your own provo- uh, you know, that's that's your own thing. But um, I find it hilarious. I, 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 I don't know. There's like I've, I've even gone to strip clubs where couples are watching the strippers together. And I think, you know, that being a little bit less, uh, I don't know, demonized is would be nice um, because strip clubs, prostitutes and all of that are so old at this point that it's it's tiresome to keep bashing the industries uh, for basically just making money where the free market says there's money. Oh, my fucking computer, man. Oh, it keeps scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. Oh. I got to get a new one. How am I going to do that? Lord only knows. Oh, my God. Oh, and it muted. That's funny. Like showing on major national television in the evening time, full on simulated lesbian pornography. Well done, everyone. Like just, I feel our culture is in great hands. Like honestly, like Ben Shapiro is saying, cause like that kind of stuff happens at strip clubs all the time. And he's saying that's full on lesbian pornography. That's crazy. That is some crazy stuff. Because if he saw a wall, like full on lesbian pornography, I feel like it would change his mind because that's not what happened. And by the way, if you make a joke about it, you ought to be canceled. If you make a joke about it, then we ought to go after your advertisers and get you fired. Yeah, I'm sorry, but this new Puritan. Am I going to be canceled for saying Cardi B took us all to the strip club? Because that, that, like, I found that funny. And so, if I if I made a joke about it, am I now canceled for it? Shit. Should have told me sooner, Ben. Puritanism is not going to stand because it is, it is garbage. It is not even Puritanism on behalf of some purported higher consonants with the universe or something. It is not like I'm trying to get in touch with deeper values. I'm trying to get in touch with my God, and I can't do that in, while, while these people are dissenting. That's bad <laughs> enough. Right? Theocracy is bad. But this is just theocracy on behalf of pagan garbage. Okay, this is theocracy what? on behalf of pornography, which they <laughs> What does Ben mean by theocracy is bad? He uses it all the time that people should be a part of his social conservative values, which is fixed in Orthodox 
Jewishness. That's so weird. That is so weird. And then on top of it, why are you throwing the pagans under the bus? Like, what does this have to do with paganism whatsoever? Are people out there worshiping the sun and blessing everybody with harvest? That's, that's so weird. Why? Why? Why, Ben? Why are you throwing the pagans under the bus like that? What is this? The fucking 7th century? What are we doing right now? Very weird form of theocracy. It is just paganism. And that pagan culture will brook no dissent. Everyone must be ruined. And if you cross the woke pagan culture, then you must be destroyed. I hope you enjoyed that clip from the Ben Shapiro <laughs> show. If you did. I honestly have no idea where he got this pagan stuff from. Like, why? <laughs> We're going to start attacking like Confucius and Buddhists soon because they're, they're, they're from China. And so it's a Chinese takeover if you start worshiping Buddha. Oh, my goodness. What was that? Um, that was Tox News. I... <laughs> That was like completely manufactured leftist rage. I did see people on, on Twitter saying how Bill Burr shouldn't be allowed to host anything anymore. And I think that's a little much just because he went for low hanging fruit jokes. But um, yeah, that's this this whole segment was a waste of time. It was incredibly a waste of time, just as any segment critiquing our culture is. And oh, that's funny. He has an interview with Candace Owens about Meghan Markle. Markle. That's funny because she didn't talk about it enough with... Uh, Matt Walsh and uh, Michael Knowles. So she has three rounds of her talking about Meghan Mar Markle because that has more to do with culture than it does actual politics. Oh, they also talk about the 2021 Grammys. Oh man, the issues you care about. God damn. Woo. Well, come back for Tox News where I will get down to the root of those uh, cultural issues that we all care so much about. And uh, follow me on Twitter at ToxinPod, T-O-X-N-P-O-D, and like the video if you liked it, dislike if you don't, um, subscribe, and um, tell somebody about Chris Crack today. Go do that. Let's outro music. Get it together, man. Get get the outro music together, man. I'm, I'm struggling here. This is not looking good. Gotta get that, gotta get that rolling so we can blast out. Oh man, my computer's just acting crazy. Ah, oh, this is making it even harder. All right, peace. Ah, I messed up again. There it is. The most well put to put together podcast in history. <laughs> I can't even outro. I can't.